Welcome back to another episode of the 300s podcast. My name is Red, and as always, I'll be your host. Today, we've got Big Z joining us from the Midwest. How are you doing out there? All you guys out on the East Coast, you are in my thoughts and prayers. I've been watching the national news, the biggest news story of the week. It's not the U.S. exiting Syria. It's rain along I-95. So I really hope you guys have umbrellas and intermittent windshield wipers. I'm Thoughts and prayers. I've been getting a lot of notifications about that. I have the weather.com app, and it's like, prepare yourself. And then I look it's it up. The lead and it's the story on the news every day. It's a rainstorm. <laughs> I look it up and you know, Brighton will be 20 degrees tomorrow. Like, the United right. States could be exiting Syria. The government could be shutting down the day before Christmas, but it's going to rain on I 95. Priorities, folks. I mean, that's the last thing you want. You don't want to wake up and be completely fucked. You don't have an umbrella. That's the worst shit in the world. I will say, though, I blame Bill Burr for this. I still cannot use an umbrella because he has shamed me from about. 10, 15 years ago at this point. Remember his old bit where he's talking about his friends just calling him a whatever because he's using an umbrella? What are you doing? Put your shoulders up. You're afraid of a little rain? And I, that's in my brain every time. So now I have to use just like a rain slicker with a hood. I can't, I can't use an umbrella. I'm not, I, I'm not man enough to use an umbrella. The key to using a good umbrella, and I mean this seriously, get a golf umbrella. I know when I lived in the city walking around downtown, I can't tell you how many umbrellas just got destroyed and left on city corners. The golf umbrella is the way to go. Those things are industrial strength. Pro tip. (laughs) All right. So the big news of the day is obviously the Josh Gordon suspension. And really not super surprising. The guy's dealt with his issues for years. Patriots got 11 games out of him. And as NFL reporter Tom Pelissero tweeted out this morning, before I even finished my coffee, Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon is facing another indefinite suspension for violating terms of his reinstatement under the under the substance abuse policy per source. He announced today he's stepping away to address his mental health. Now, obviously, the guy has a serious, serious problem, and I hope he gets the help he needs because you don't just throw away opportunity after opportunity without being in dire straits. Going into the can on the Browns is one thing. Blowing your golden opportunity to be the number one receiver for the model franchise in the NFL, that, that's another thing entirely. So Stephen A. Smith, I know, went in on Gordon today. And while, while he's not really wrong, I worry about the guy ending up in a speeding Bronco bombing down 93. Yeah, it's certainly sad. No disagreement there. I think everybody in the media has been pretty consistent on that one. He's only 27 years old, and he might be done with professional football, so... Whatever happens, you hope he gets the help he needs, that he straightens things out. But in terms of football, looking at it from a football perspective from the New England Patriots side, it's not surprising. It's sad. It's disappointing. You hope for the best with this 27-year-old. Again, not even 30, still relatively young man, um, but not surprising. You know, This is a guy that's missed significant time previously, and to most observers, it wasn't a question of if this would happen, but when. And as you said, now we have our answer 11 weeks in to the experiment. Yeah, so it didn't take very long. I mean, like you said, it might have been longer than some people had actually expected. A lot of people didn't think he was going to make an impact at all. And I, I think without Gordon, I think the Patriots are cooked. Or as I said to you earlier today, I think they are fucked with a capital F. And it's funny because Burt Breer, was, he was prophetic in the way he described the worst case scenario how it could unfold for the Patriots when they first acquired Gordon. I remember him saying this on Toucher and Rich, right when the Patriots got Josh Gordon. Burt Breer said, uh, and he tweeted it out today, not to be insensitive, but this was the risk in dealing for Gordon. Because of his history, you want to treat his presence as a bonus. Thing is, he's so talented, he naturally carves out a big role. 
and you can leave you in the lurch as a result. So basically what, what Bert had been saying for three months now was he, like, if you bring him on, if you bring on Josh Gordon, you could say, all right, fine. If he, if he, we take a flyer on him and he's an asshole and doesn't work out, whatever, we'll cut him into no, no big loss. But the risk is he's so talented. He's so good that we bring him on and he, he, he just kind of, in, you know, ingrains himself in the offense. He becomes a go-to guy for Tom Brady. He becomes a, a reliable pass catcher that you get to a certain point where you need him. He's a big part of the offense. And then he gets suspended. And then you're in trouble because they've been banking on Josh Gordon. I mean, just looking at his stats, he had at 11 games. He had 40 catches for 720 yards and three touchdowns with 68 targets. So the targets are third on the team behind only Julian Edelman and James White. And he also led the team in yards receiving and yards per reception. So this is kind of a problem to have this guy all of a sudden not be available. Yeah, but in his defense or however you want to spin it, I think their goose was cooked even before this. I just think this adds to the bad karma going on down at Foxborough. Um, I hear today they had special teamer Matthew Slater out taking passes with the receivers. So um, they're running pretty deep down that depth chart right now. But like I said, I think they were borderline cooked already. If you look back at that Pittsburgh game, they had one touchdown. It was on the third play from scrimmage. Hogan busted coverage, or there was some mistake on the Pittsburgh defense. Total aberration. That was not a fancy drive. That was not a great play. It was a busted play that the Patriots took advantage of. One touchdown, a 65-yard reception, third play of the game. Other than that, just a couple of field goals for the Patriots. So, I don't know. I think their goose was going to be cooked either way. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that because the uh, Hogan touchdown. I saw a stat. He was open by like eighteen or nineteen yards, and someone did the analysis on it. It was the most open a receiver had been in the entire league all season long. Yeah. So uh, if you take that out, where you could literally, like you said, you could see the two defenders run into each other. If you take that out, they're kicking field goals and not even scoring touchdowns on the road. So that's a problem. Or I it, should say, field goal as they lost seventeen ten. But yeah. You know, you put out you put out there how wide open he was. Like I said, an aberration. That is not good offense or good scheming. They got lucky on one, and that was about it. It's weird. I like they just. I know it kind of goes back to comparing the Patriots to the Patriots, so it's all relative. But to see this team and and see them struggling to hopefully an eleven and five record, it just it doesn't. It seems off. I mean, they've. They've been uncharacteristic. We're talking about that Pittsburgh game. I think they had, what was it, 14 penalties? And that's just something you do not see from a Patriots team. That was very undisciplined. That was a clusterfuck. And it's just something you're not used to. And it's concerning because I don't know what it is. I know you can have all the uh, the talk radio guys going back and forth. Well, well Tom Brady skipped OTAs. Well, not, you know, okay, I guess. But that was a week or two weeks of practice six, seven, eight months ago. So I don't know what it is, but this team is not right. And you could see that you could see the cracks in the foundation and then losing Josh Gordon, I think is probably gonna be the nail in the coffin for this team having any legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah, I, I really can't see him making it that far. I could see him making a run to the AFC championship game again, just because they'll be at home. If they're playing wildcard weekend, they'll be home. They could win that. If they're the three seed, maybe they go to play. Houston on the road in the divisional round. This team is three and five on the road, so it doesn't put great confidence in you, but it wouldn't be shocking to see them knock off Houston on the road in the divisional round. But 
I think that might be all the bullets they have left wherever they have to play. You know, if it is Kansas City for the AFC championship game, if they get that far, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win a game or two in the playoffs. I don't expect one of those Baltimore beatdowns again in the wild card round, but man, it's hard to pick them. It's hard to have any confidence in them to win the Super Bowl, never mind get there. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I I don't think there's any way they get knocked out in the first round unless you know Ray Rice comes out of retirement to run for an 80-yard touchdown again. But uh, I could see him winning a game or two in the playoffs. But without Josh Gordon, with the defense looking the way they're looking, with Tom Brady looking the way he's looking, with just everyone not looking right, uh, you know, I don't see them necessarily going to the Super Bowl anymore. And <clears throat> I think the biggest issue is with those – missed opportunities with those games that they've lost they've blown any chance they had at getting the one seed let alone the number two seed and as you and i know the patriots every year they've won the super bowl they've had that first round by they've had one of those two seeds and besides the the benefit of having a weekend off having a bye not having to play an extra game besides that they're just not good on the road you've seen it because i think it was they average i don't know like 34 points at home compared to 21 on the road. And this is what I worry about. If they were playing at home, sure, they could take anybody. They have like an 80 winning percentage over the last decade at home. But when you're having to go against the the Chiefs this year, they beat him, what was it, like 40-35 or whatever it was. It was, a, it was a high scoring, you know, shootout. But if you have to go to Kansas City where they already struggle, where it's loud as shit. Yeah, that's it, another loud stadium. You might be running into issues like that. You think the Patriots are going to be able to put up another 40 points on the road when they are dropping 10 and 17 in recent weeks on the road? I, I don't have any confidence in that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. As it shakes out right now, if the season were to end today or if everybody stays where they are, the Patriots would host the Ravens in the wild card round. So it would be a rematch of what we thought was that dynasty ending, that dynasty ending beatdown almost a decade ago. I can't see a rookie quarterback going into Foxborough the first round of the playoffs, knocking off the Patriots. But then again, there've been a lot of other things we didn't expect to see out of the Patriots this year. The Patriots never lose two in a row. Well, that's happened twice. The Patriots don't lose in December. Well, they lost two in a row in December. So a lot of these things that we've taken as a given for the last almost 20 years, who the hell knows at this point? So like I say, I don't see a rookie quarterback coming into Foxborough in January and winning, but who the hell knows? Yeah, they were talking on the radio about how it would be poetic justice for the Patriots to lose to this Ravens team at home because being led by Lamar Jackson now, he was the the hot candidate. He was the hot rumor that that Josh McDaniels allegedly was all in on. He wanted to draft. So to have that guy come in and and beat the Patriots at home would be uh, ironic, if nothing else. But uh, I like Lamar Jackson. He's obviously been a great fantasy, actually not even a great fantasy player, but he's been fun to watch. He's been a great Madden player rushing around. But I, I don't think there's any way that guy can come in and dissect the Belichick defense for as much as we we needle Belichick for being the quote-unquote defensive genius with mediocre defenses the last better part of the last decade. I don't think there's any way Lamar Jackson comes in and dissects that defense and takes the Patriots out in Gillette. But beyond that, I don't know. The, the only thing you have going for you is you just hope, hope against hope that uh, you, know, you can line up against you know, the Ravens. You can beat them. I would not worry about going uh, against Houston. I love Deshaun Watson, but I don't think the the Texans have the testicular fortitude. And then hope maybe you get uh, the Los Angeles Chargers 
in Los Angeles in their fucking major league soccer stadium that holds about, you know, 600 people. Now, one thing that came out today, I saw a few people mention this on Twitter, was something that Mark Bertrand said on the Sports Hub, the host of the Patriots pregame show on their (laughs) flagship station, mind you. I'm not rooting against Josh Gordon. I'm rooting against Bill Belichick. Now, admittedly, I don't have the context around that. I just got the clip. <laughs> I wasn't listening. But again, I'm not rooting against Josh Gordon. I'm rooting against Bill Belichick. And it's hard to disagree with them. I see all these people on Twitter trying to stick up for Belichick. I do not understand the ass-kissing of this man. I feel bad for the guy or the person who draws the short straw and has to ask about this at the press conference because he's just going to tell someone to go F themselves. Um, but I am rooting against I can understand somebody rooting against Belichick. You go into a season with a 41-year-old quarterback, not even no backup plan, no plan for the future, um, no wide receivers, really. You've got Edelman, who is your top wide receiver, and he's a good wide receiver, but he is not Randy Moss in his prime. He's a slot receiver. It just... Yeah, I mean... I don't don't understand how this team was put together. You... So... The Red Sox bullpen was put together (laughs) with a little bit more foresight. So I, I, I feel like, the, you know, the conspiracy theory has been that Belichick put this team together out of spite. Oh, you, you know, I had a plan. You guys fucked that up. You trade, maybe trade my 26-year-old quarterback of the future. So here's, here's what we're going with. Good, good luck, guys. And that may or may not be true. I don't know. But that's kind of the, the situation that they've been put in. The best – well, okay, so the best you can hope for is that they just – run off a historic Patriots run and, you know, just do the us against the world. And they, they outscore everybody somehow, which I am less confident in now than I was at 8am this morning. But uh, I guess the next best thing is you kind of hope for a 06 meltdown of a, of an end to a season where the Patriots just didn't have the horses. You and I remember the, the Pats were, were pretty good, not great, but they should have been good enough to get to the Super Bowl. But they were relying on assholes like Rache Caldwell, and um, you know the, the the Colts just bled them bled them dry to the end, and they lost in the AFC Championship game. But as a result of that, it seems like Kraft was just ashamed that he made Belichick make big time moves. We we should have had that. We I feel like it's part of you know Kraft feeling bad for Tom Brady, like yeah, we kind of left him out to dry, and then they went out and they got. Dante Stallworth, they got Randy Moss, they got Wes Welker. Uh, I think they got, I don't know if they had Jabbar Gaffney already that season, but you know, they loaded up. They became yeah. a, a juggernaut where I, I feel like if they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, you kind of have to hope for that same situation where whether it's Kraft or, or Belichick himself just kind of saying, like, oh man, that we just shaming them into making big moves next year because as they were saying, um, I don't know, on one of the shows, uh, you, you basically, you kind of have to use the, the recent history, you have to use the recent Denver Broncos playbook where they had an old Peyton Manning. He was still great, but he was fading fast and they loaded up. They got into quote unquote cap jail, but they loaded up. They got, you know, big defensive stars. They spent, they, they surrounded him with enough talent that he didn't have to throw 55 touchdowns the year that they won the Super Bowl. He basically was just kind of a, a game manager. And if the Patriots could ever fucking get to that spot where Tom Brady doesn't have to throw for 500 plus yards in the Super Bowl to win the goddamn game, they'd be golden. So we're hoping for shame to shame the Patriots into actually making some good moves this offseason. Yeah, it's a fair point. And you talk about having to throw 55 touchdowns a year to, to win. How about this? 
not making Brady throw 55 passes a game. I know it's been a while since he's thrown that many passes, but um, I'm just, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me how much they throw the ball. Um, yeah. Especially with a 41 year old, they've got, they've got 18 running backs. You think they could just mix and match with them or do some swing passes or some screen passes out of the backfield to kind of lighten the load. But no, and we saw this in that fire drill at the end of the Pittsburgh game, go deep, go deep, go deep three straight times, just trying to jump it up in the end zone. Um, I swear. I thought McDaniels was some wizard with the playbook and I haven't really seen much lately. I swear to Christ, if I see any any of those Matthew Slater deep balls in the playoffs, I'm going to fucking freak out. I love Matthew Slater. Seems like a really nice guy. He seems like a really smart guy. But what is the obsession with the Patriots pulling that as like as the as their fire alarm? All right, well, we don't have any good receivers left, so let's just run Matthew Slater 50 yards deep. Like it's not the same as gunning on a punt. You have to beat a defender and then catch the ball, which Matthew Slater does not do either of well. So as I'm looking at the current playoff seedings, if they stay the way they are, I do see one small glimmer of hope for the Patriots. Give it to me. Because the NFL reseeds. Say the Patriots and the Chargers both win in the wild card round. The Patriots would play the Texans and the Chargers and Chiefs would play each other. That's going to be a harder game. The Chargers could very easily win. If the Patriots and the Chargers both win in the divisional round weekend, the AFC Championship game is back in Foxborough. But getting back to what you're saying about 2006, I do go back to what you were saying. Unfortunately, I think their best case scenario looks a little bit like 2006 right now. Yeah, I don't know if they have the horses. And just watching the defense, it's just like, what the hell are we doing? I mean, uh, so I have an especially heated take on this because it, it ended my fantasy season as well. I lost on the backs of third fucking string running backs. My opponent had the um, had Damien Williams, the third string Chiefs running back. I had Spencer Ware, who was out, who had about 30 points. Third string running back, no one's ever heard of before a week ago. And then he also had the third string Steelers running back, uh, Jalen Samuels, who had about 20 points himself. This is a guy who was he was eligible at tight end in fantasy as of just a couple of weeks ago. He was like a pure H back. He wasn't even a full time running back in college. This is just some guy who kind of just bounced around quick guy. He played tight end. He played full played halfback, whatever. He wasn't a straight on running back. And he dominated the Patriots. He had 100 plus yards of rushing and just watching that. I mean, even Stephen Ridley was they had the Patriots had the Steelers on the one yard line after they pinned them with that incredible punt coverage. Great play. And then Stephen Ridley, Stephen fucking Ridley rips off a 12 yard run immediately. This is a guy who was literally selling insurance a week ago. And then he's talking about revenge games. And then he goes and he rips off a 12 yard gain. And it's just like, it's embarrassing. Like I, you could talk about defensive schemes all you want, but to allow 12, 12 yards from the one yard line, when you have the Steelers pinned, to just some guy who hasn't been good in four years. Oh, that pisses me off. Yeah. And to be successful at fantasy at this point of the season, you really have to be a vulture picking up these third string guys. I thought I was pretty sharp picking up Spencer Ware, but once he went down, I checked out and I had James Connor. Once he went down, I checked out. I, I need to be more in tune with the waiver wire and the depth charts of these 
these random teams that I do not follow regularly. Yeah, I mean, to be good at fantasy, you have to be a fucking wizard because who would have predicted? I had James Conner all season long, and he was great. And then he was out, what, a week or two weeks before the playoffs started and just kind of submarined everyone who had him. So, Myself included. Yeah. I don't, I, 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 the only thing that makes me feel better is <laughs> my friends that spend hours and hours and hours of doing the research didn't do any better than me. So, you know, it's just... Do a little bit of research, read some magazines, have a few beers, have a good time, and just try not smash your laptop when Thursday running backs end your season. In that sense, fantasy football is a lot like college, and I say it this way. When I'm in those science 101 classes, I study and I get this grade. I stay up all night and I don't study and I get the same grade. It kind of de-incentivizes de- putting more work in. And that's why you and I are not doctors. I feel the same exact way. Oh, I could get a C plus if I if I just kind of show up. Maybe I can get a B minus if I stay up all night and pull an all nighter and do all the research and study and read all the books. Yeah, fuck that. GPA won't matter that much. It's kind of like reading a self help book. If I could help myself out, why do I need the book? (laughs) All right. So something we got to talk about because it's been a huge, huge topic in Boston this week. Is Tom Brady hurt? I mean, this is a, a guy who's been the Iron Man. He's, you know, he's got TB12. He's been all about pliability and flexibility and having those muscles that are just kind of elasticity. It's going to allow him to take these bigger hits that are going to allow him to play till he's 45. But in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Tom Brady kind of ducking out of some throws. We've seen him a little bit reluctant to take hits, lean into throws. And this might be an injury. Mike Giardi came on to NBC Sports the other day or maybe it was 98.5, I don't know. But he came out and he said, this was his opinion, this was not any necessarily uh, sources he was hearing from, but his opinion was Tom Brady is potentially suffering from an MCL injury. And they showed the slow-mo video a hundred times of the genius play to have the 41-year-old quarterback going out for a pass in Tennessee when he's going to catch a uh, pass. And you can see when he's getting tackled, you can see his knee kind of cave in laterally a little bit. And that's typically MCL, LCL type of injury. And really to you know put all that together, he's not leaning into the throws. He's ducking out of throws. This could be a guy dealing with an injury. And if Tom Brady has a knee injury, Josh Gordon's gone. Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski seems to be a shell of himself for whatever reason. Edelman's clearly dealing with something. This is a disaster. But back to the original point, is Tom Brady hurt? What do you think? Yes. Yes, I do. So I've heard it said before. These two things are not mutually exclusive. Tom Brady can be a tough SOB. He can still be hurt. Cal Ripken played, what, 2,600 straight games? It doesn't mean that guy never had to take a couple of Advil to get out on the field. So I definitely think Brady is a little sore. You know, I don't want to use the I word injured. But, yeah, there's definitely stuff bothering him. And, again, he's a tough SOB, so he's going to have to look – his leg's going to have to look like Joe Theismann's for them ever to have to admit anything – so I think they're going to keep trotting him out there and he'll go out there and he'll perform as best he can. But yeah, I, of course he's hurt again. He, that doesn't mean his arm's going to fall off, but no one's a hundred percent and you know, him probably more than most. Yeah. And, and Tom Brady's in a tough position because with all the, the, the TB 12 pushing he's been doing with all the, all the stuff around Alex Guerrero and all that drama, it was kind of, uh, people got the impression that Tom Brady can't get hurt or that's what he's pushing. I can never get hurt. Uh, I'm doing these, these exercises that no one, else, no one else is doing. And I feel like that's kind of missing the point. 
you, you can't avoid an ACL injury. You saw that with, with Julian Edelman last year. You can't avoid broken bones, but you can minimize those effects. And whether it's just kind of Tom Brady, you know, ducking and, and cradling out of, of certain hits, unnecessary hits, or it's just himself being super hydrated or whatever it is, the guy has avoided the little nicks that have played older quarterbacks better than anybody. If it's something like a ligament tearing, I mean, no one can no one can prevent that. You know, at least not yet. So uh, I feel like he's kind of in a, a lose-lose situation. He can't necessarily use an injury as an excuse. But even looking at his stats, someone was comparing his, his numbers through the first 14 games of this year versus last year's MVP season, and they're pretty dead on. I mean, he's got a couple more interceptions. He's got a couple less touchdowns. But his, his QBR, his uh, yards per game, his total yards, they're pretty close. So it's not like he's having a total shit season. He's still Tom Brady. He's still pretty good. But this stuff with Tom Brady, is he hurt with a capital H? Is he injured, quote-unquote? No, but, you know, he's banged up. So you put that into one – you keep that in mind. So Tom Brady's not 100%. This wide receiving core is not 100%. There's a lot lacking there. So you don't have as many good receivers running quality routes. You've got a quarterback that can't stay in there for 10 seconds anymore, 15 seconds, looking, looking, looking. So I think that's where you see the offense kind of – going off the tracks you know they don't have as many talented receivers and a 41 year old can't stay in there trying to make things happen as much as he could five years ago yeah and that was a point i I heard this week as well um even like with someone like gronkowski maybe he's not and he's getting double teamed obviously but maybe he's not getting open as quick as he may have in years past or even weeks past so this tom brady is not waiting around four or five seconds for for Gronk to get open. He's just not going to take a, a massive hit just so he can get Gronkowski. He's going to take you know the, the two-second throw to whoever, or he's going to throw it away and live to fight another day. And that whether you think that's the right approach or not, that's kind of the, the boat we're in with the 41-year-old quarterback. And I would much rather that than a lot of other teams in this league. Yeah, I know. I understand the, the theory of chip in a chair. The Patriots have a chip in a chair. They're going to get into the tournament. And they, you know, even if Brady is banged up, they're going to have a better quarterback than a lot of the other teams in that tournament. It's just a team without all the horses they need, a team that's banged up. I know they're good at keeping distractions out, but how many guys like Philip Dorsett or Cordero Patterson are going to say, or even Chris Hogan, oh, Josh Gordon's gone now. You want me to suit up again? You want me to buy in again 100%? <laughs> no, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll see you in uh, We'll see you next year. We'll see what happens. Just want to get out of this one healthy. I, you know, I think there's a confluence of events. I think there's so many small to medium things going on. Not one big thing, but so many small to medium things. They don't really have the horses. They don't play well on the road. I, yeah, I think their goose is cooked. I said it before, and I can't really think of another way to talk myself out of it. Again, maybe they find lightning in a bottle and they win a couple of playoff games. But, you know, that's really rooting for an inside straight. Well, like you said, the the golden road to the Super Bowl would be getting getting um, the Ravens in the first round, getting Houston in the second round, and then getting L.A. in the third round, which you said if they beat the Chiefs would be at home. So that would be the golden way. But that's this is not typical Patriots fan behavior, which I know a lot of our, our friends like Papa Giorgio and other assholes in New York have been waiting and waiting and waiting for us to, to see. But it's not typical Patriots behavior saying, well, if this team loses and that team loses, then maybe yeah. we get this. But, like, I don't like that. So, you know. Not used well, to watching the scoreboard. No. Other than for fantasy purposes. 
But one more thing, even if they somehow draw this inside straight, they make the golden road to the Super Bowl, the yellow brick road to the Super Bowl. This team has been so poor on the road this season. I know that the Super Bowl is not technically a road game. It's a neutral site game. Do you think they can go into some bonkers neutral site stadium? And again, with the Super Bowl, how many people from Atlanta will actually be at that Super Bowl? You know, that's more of a national event. But still, going into that house, I can't imagine there'd be too many Patriots fans at that Super Bowl in Georgia. I just I can't see them going into that buzzsaw pressure situation and coming out roses. I think that has the possibility they could get to this Super Bowl. That is the 28 to 3 beatdown, and there's no clapping back from that one. Yeah, we'll see. Um, there's a there's a lot going on that that's it's you know not not a great sign for the Patriots. But I I, I refuse to lay down and die. I this is this is another problem I have. So you know Dan Shaughnessy, he's always he's got he's got his his uh, articles each year that he kind of just copies and pastes where he, he fills the same same thing in. Whether From it's the word processor. Yeah, whether it's the tomato can opponents where the Patriots never get credit for winning their division for you know, whatever, 12 years in a row, whatever it was. I know the division's been shitty, but it's still an impressive and historic feat. So they're not giving credit for that. It is crazy. But then he flips it on its head. I, I was watching TV last night and he, they had an excerpt from one of his articles just saying, oh, the Patriots, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll find a way because they always get lucky. They always get some kind of magic. So, you, you, you know, you can't win if you're the Patriots and <laughs> these guys harping on you. If you win, it's because you always you always get lucky or the Patriots. If you lose, you get smashed. You're not having a team built out properly. If you dominate, it's because there's tomato cans. So I'm yeah, not ready. I mean, I'm Shaun- not ready to say Shaughnessy yet, has Shaughnessy has a knack for self-preservation. How long has he been at the Boston Globe? My whole life, 30 something years. I mean, so obviously, you know, what he's doing is working, but he is a troll you know, if they win, they don't get any credit. If they lose, you know, he's all ready to bring out the tragic sadness trombones. Yeah, it's like Cliff Kellerman. The guy's been saying uh, Tom Brady's on a cliff. He's approaching a cliff. He's about to fall off a cliff for the last six years. Like, well, if you say it every year, you know, you're going to be right one of these times. And then he's going to be like, ah, see, I told you. Well, fuck you. I think I'm gonna, that cliff, I'm ride or die with this team. I think that cliff is the Grand Canyon. He's just got a great view. <laughs> right. So we got Bills this weekend. Uh, and after that, they got the Jets next the weekend after that. So hopefully win out, go 11 and 5, get a, uh, get a three seed, potentially a two seed, depending on when you listen to this. We'll see. But the Patriots, they, uh, they get a tough road ahead of them. So anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up here? The good news for the Patriots is they do have two home games in a row. If they have to play wild card weekend, obviously it would be a home game. So they don't have to do any traveling between now and maybe the second week of January or whenever that uh, division round game would be. So again, you know, you'd love to see them get that bye week so they could rest up and, you know, have a better shot at making it to the Super Bowl. But at least they don't have to go out on the road. They don't have to take a trip to LA or even Kansas city or Seattle at this point in the season. So at least they're going to be at home for almost a month straight. All right, so before we get out of here, I got to remind you guys to visit the300s.com and check out the brand spanking new 300 store because after looking for a fulfillment partner for a long time, I kind of got sick of sitting on t-shirts. We'd buy t-shirts, we'd sit on them, then we'd sell them. And, you know, it was was fine. People liked them. They wanted them. But if they didn't sell, (laughs) I'm sitting on bald and shirts for years and years and years. So uh, it's great. You can 
with our new fulfillment part, you can get uh, 300s logos, you can get our designs, you can get them on T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, stickers, flags. Hell, I'm buying a literal Time Lord clock that's going to go right above me in the 300s podcast studio. So that'll be coming up, uh, you know, podcast soon. So check it out today at 300s.com. Click on store and you can see all the different designs. We're adding them all the time. And check them out. Put them on whatever you want. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the 300s podcast. Thanks for joining us once again, Rick. Appreciate it. Peace. Now do us a favor. Subscribe to the 300s podcast on iTunes. Leave us a glowing five-star review so we can keep pumping these out. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.